Welcome once again to Humanity First. Uh, as you know, a program about the on about the what goes on at Bamsey from week to week. And this week we have a very special guest. We have Fred Welsh, who is our director of Elder Services. Hi, Fred. How are you doing? Good morning. I feel good. Yes. Good. Um, and I always it's funny because whenever I do uh, orientation, I begin with uh, talking about the breadth of services that we provide here at Bamsey, and always say, you know, we do we have about a hundred or so programs. Um, well, in a hundred or so different locations. So this is an organization that covers an awful lot of ground geographically in terms of our clinical services, in terms of our social programs and that kind of stuff. And I always begin by saying, in fact, we start at the beginning of the life cycle with our um, WIC programs and our early intervention. And then, you know, right through the lifespan to our elder services program, then I talk about elder services. So uh, it is the time to shine for elders today. Um, And in my humble opinion, uh, our culture does a pretty poor job of uh, providing uh, for human beings at the beginning of the life cycle and towards the end of it as well. And um, I think as a uh, an advocate for elders, you know, in your uh, work, um, uh, in, in your career, you're somebody who is well uh, poised to talk about that and uh, about some of the issues that uh, that our elders face, especially those folks <clears throat> who might be uh, new Americans, uh, who might have been in low-paying uh, jobs uh, where they they don't have pensions and that kind of thing. And, there, and there's a large group of those folks I know that we provide services for. So welcome to the welcome to the show. It's great to have you here. Uh, maybe Fred, just start a little bit by talking about the programs that, as the director of elder services, you oversee. Sure. There's two major programs. One is the uh, the service coordination program, which uh, is located uh, primarily at the Brockton Housing Authority. We have, uh, right now, we have four service coordinators, each one stationed at one of the high-rises and the family developments. Uh, And our goal there is to to do, first of all, a needs assessment and find out what the needs of the elders are in the housing authority, and uh, then to connect them with the appropriate services in the community. And if there's not a commu- if there's not an appropriate service out there to meet a particular need, then we'll do our very best to to go and find one or to create one. Can you talk about what that might be that you go out looking for? Oh, sure. Um, there's. Uh, there's uh through the Dorn Davies Senior Center uh well let me back up there's uh, i i would say uh uh the needs are uh especially during the past couple of years with the pandemic is uh, isolation and then subsequently the depression or anxiety that that goes along with with being isolated uh the issues of food insecurity uh uh, has been significant over the at least over the past couple of years, if not always. Um, and then we uh, we have programs that will address uh, uh, well, in terms of the social social isolation. The Dorn Davies Senior Center does a wonderful job of uh, uh, in terms of addressing food insecurity. They have. Uh, uh, hot breakfast uh, at least two times a week. During the pandemic, we actually uh, delivered the meals to their doors. We'd put them in containers and put them on the doors. Um, 
and uh, do a lot of uh, what were called friendly phone call visits just to check on everybody. Just uh, we called at the beginning of the pandemic. We we contacted every single resident in the in the system just to find out how how they were doing, what their needs were, who their if their emergency contact had been changed or updated, uh, um, and then we would we would uh, if, at the Dawn Davies Senior would make phone calls to them uh, at least three or four times a week just to check in how you're doing uh, you know have your needs changed do you, do you need prescriptions or do you need help with anything and if um, I guess I'm going to cut to the chase here for, and I also want to talk a little bit about the history of the program because I think that's really interesting too because you know I mean in, in, in some ways in, in social services there are very distinct pathways for services there are you know child welfare services there are mental health services there are uh, developmental disability services elder services always seem to have been um, in, in my opinion a little bit neglected in terms of the funding of those services uh, and so when we consider uh, the population that we're dealing with um, the question is if not if, if we weren't doing that if our service coordinators weren't doing that if we weren't bringing hot breakfasts who would I guess is the question. Well, uh, most likely nobody. Mm-hmm. Um, Oak Colony Elder Services does have the Meals on Wheels program, and they do a great job of delivering meals uh, for lunch. But um, what the uh, you know bringing people down and thank thank goodness now with the community rooms are opened up, so now we can uh, have the breakfast in the community rooms and get people re-socialized and getting connected with each other again. But to answer your question, no, I don't think there's anyone out there who would do this. Yeah, which then leads me to my next question, which is funding. Um, what? How do we? How do we patch these services together to make sure? that nobody feel, uh, falls through the net. It's a, it's a real challenge. At the Dawn Davies Senior Center, we have uh, uh, funding that, that changes, it seems, every year. Um, we have uh, the... Uh, oh, I, I listed them here. Um, uh, funding from the... Uh, well, from the Dorn family... Uh, and then we get some money from the Brockton Redevelopment Authority, Old Colony Planning Council, uh, the Curtis Trust Fund, mm-hmm. uh, the Howard Fund, which has been wonderful to us, um, the United Way, the Goddard Foundation, Jewish Philanthropist Group, and then the Brockton Housing Authority has been absolutely wonderful in giving us many in-kind services. We have, uh, you know, a lot of space down at the Campello High Rise. And then, as you know, because you're there every month, uh, they they send a truck driver and a truck to help us with uh, delivering food for the brown bag program. Right. That, that is wonderful. But <clears throat> am I right in, in assuming from that list that you read out that the only funding or in-kind support that we get from a government source would be the city of Brockton? Is that right? Yes. Extraordinary. Yes. Extraordinary. When you think about organizations... Um, uh, sort of sustainability that we're constantly on the edge because we're relying on the uh, on the generosity and the kindness not of strangers uh, but certainly of uh, foundations who I would think had limited resources as well yes um, that's those are all for the Dorn Davis senior center the service coordinator program uh, there's a federal grant 
um, that is funded through BMZ. Um, and that's that's, but that's pretty static. the The numbers don't change from year to year. So, of course, the need keeps expanding. Yeah. But the so we're at we're forever asking the service coordinators to do more and more with the same amount of funding. Yeah, uh, you know, you're talking about expanded need here. I was um, I was watching a show about um, India the other day, and 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 it was a fascinating show about the richness of the society and the poverty that exists within it. Um, and uh, the Secretary General said something like, you know, we're a very young society. You know, uh, the average age of, of the Indian population is under 30. Um, mm. The average age of the American population is somewhere around 45, 46, something mm. like that, I believe. So, and, you know, the highest growing population of people in America are those who are over 80. Uh, and so when you look at that, you realize um, that this population, I guess, of boomers are, a, are moving into that, um, into that age group. And in many ways, there really isn't a public health plan um, in general in this country for the care of, uh, of elders. And I think, you know, I remember reading once um, in, uh, when I was back in Britain that, you know, over 50 percent of people who live alone, the elders that live alone, have no contact with their family, which sort of led me to ask you that question about who else would do this. Um, and in that way, we really don't have a public health strategic plan for the elderly, as far as I'm concerned, unless you want to debate me on that. No, I would wholeheartedly <laughs> agree. <laughs> yes. Um, yeah, and and the, it like I had said earlier, it changes. Uh, originally, in, at, at the housing authority, the population was mainly, uh, and this is going back probably to the to the sixties and seventies. That you know, people who lived in the city of Brockton, uh, stereotypically, the husband would die at some point, and uh, the, the surviving spouse would. Uh, you know, need to sell their house and then move into something that was more affordable. And so that was the population. Um, in probably in the 80s, uh, the the referrals, the applications for housing uh, were mainly from uh, folks from, or largely from folks from Puerto Rico. And then that changed, and there were, uh, in the 90s, many, many uh, Cape Verdean applicants. Yeah. So the language issue became a yeah. real challenge for us. And then, most recently, the Haitian population has increased significantly. So we've had to, you know, be pretty creative in coming up with ways to, to help meet their needs yeah. with the language barrier. Yeah. And oftentimes those new Americans are isolated even more so, right, because their families often are uh, in different parts of the globe. Absolutely. Yeah. So, you know, it's interesting because I, um, I read um, that our Surgeon General Vivek Murthy actually was the Surgeon General under Obama, and it was then that, that he said this, that, um, you know, more people who are elders um, die as a consequence of isolation and withdrawal than they do of cancer. And that was the Surgeon General speaking. And, and it made me think for a minute about a cause of death is not a medical issue. That, that you know, it, it ends up, of course, a medical issue, but, sure. but it comes from the social determinants of health in our society. And when I think about the work that the service coordinators do, 
and oftentimes they're the only people that they'll see, you know, in a week. Um, you cannot uh, overstate the importance of that connection, right? Absolutely. Um, the, yeah, the, the service coordinator, in many cases, uh, the the residents, the tenants don't have, they're it. They're, there's no family, or at least there's no family that's, that's available to them. Um, and so, uh, yeah, the... the and they'll, they'll, the needs are, are significant. Uh, people uh, might get a letter in the mail saying that their, their mass health has been discontinued. So the service coordinator needs to sit down and, and get a hold of mass health and, uh, you know, make sure that, that it does get resolved, whether Medicare, uh, food stamps, uh, lots of paperwork. I, I remember uh, about, uh, oh, this is probably going back 10 years, uh, the Congressman Stephen Lynch came down uh, to speak, and uh, uh, at the at the Door Navy Senior Center. And one of the the statements he made is that he had just turned, I think, sixty two at the time, and he said that he had uh, he had just gotten his Medicare packet in the mail, <laughs> and he said, "Here I am in Washington. I'm the guy who writes the legislation. I opened up the Medicare." Information and I didn't understand any of it. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so he said, "If I couldn't understand it, how are these yeah. poor folks who yeah. have trouble just just getting understanding yeah. English? How are they going to do it?" So yeah, the service coordinator plays a pretty yeah. important role in many areas of their lives, right? And they're holding up um, the responsibilities of our whole society. You know, we we talked a little bit about the the fact that we we really don't have a public health strategy for elder services. And then it sort of falls on you and the people who are doing that work to sort of fill in those gaps. And it's something that we need to advocate way more for, I think, as, as we're only looking at a population that is, you know, aging in, in greater numbers. Um, it really is time for, time for change in that regard. Oh, I agree that... Uh you know, we we need additional funding to uh, just so that we can expand the services. We have, like I said, four service coordinators right now, and that's to to serve uh, well, between the family developments and the high rises, probably twenty two hundred units. And there's more than one person in a unit. And the the family developments, there's there's many as six or eight people in a family. So, yeah, we we need. Uh, we need more. Right. We need more service coordinators. Right. And then that puts an, a, an added burden on our grant writers, who are constantly working for small amounts of money. And it's, uh, but it is. I cannot tell you how impressed I am by the work that the that the folks do, uh, especially given the nature of need that we're looking at with the folks that we serve. But um, I guess I'm going to begin to end with the beginning um, around the history of the program. Um, so talk a little bit about how we got this uh, program off the ground and, and a little bit about the, um, we mentioned a little earlier, the um, the brown bag uh, food drive as well. Sure. Well, in, in terms of the service coordinator program, um, I was actually asked uh, uh there was a, there was a grant for a pilot program at the housing authority, the Brockton Housing Authority, and that was in 1993, and I was hired to, or I was assigned to to do the pilot program at the Bel Air Towers, and that's where it started, and the program went really really well, and then that resulted in us getting a a larger grant so that we could have a program at all the high rises. Um, 
So that was in 1993. Now, the Dorn Davies Senior Center started in 1982. Uh, uh, there was a fellow who worked for Bamsey at the time, Warren Dowlin, who mm-hmm. was also an associate professor over at Stonehill and teaches gerontology and just a great guy, uh, uh, does wonderful work with the elderly. And he was the original director. Uh, and at that time, they were in a very small location down in Perkins Ave. Um, and then uh, uh, Tony Simonelli, uh, the former CEO here, had uh, joined the the senior center uh, with Bob Fuda. Yeah. And, uh, and then it kind of took off from there. Um, the, uh, you know, Bob has added... A number of programs, anywhere from a nutrition program where we'll bring in speakers for uh, to talk about diabetes or glu- uh, uh, heart disease, uh, good nutrition, uh, which does. Uh, it, it, we realized that that was such a nutrition was such a, 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 a an issue. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, we contacted the the Boston Food Bank, and that's where the brown bag program started, uh, where we get. Uh, again, as you know, anywhere between 14,000 and 17,000 pounds of food each month uh, that needs to be unloaded and packaged and delivered to people's doors, which has done, it's hard to explain the the good that it's done, the joy that it brings to people when they see all that fresh food coming right to their door and it 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 helps so tremendously with food insecurity that they know they can count on that uh, at least once a month. Yeah, yeah. it's a huge deal. Uh, and again, the added bonus of that connectivity with people, which of course during the pandemic was reduced somewhat. By, yes. By uh, but what I do like uh, about the whole program was that in the face of all that, it was like. Are we going to stop doing this? Nobody ever asked that question. It was no. let's find a way of doing this, and it was right. just really amazing. And, and you know, you, you're a trained clinician, right, Fred? You, I'm a licensed mental health licensed, counselor and a licensed marriage and family therapist. That's right. Yeah. I knew that, and I'm always uh, when you said I was assigned to, it made me smile a little bit because working in um, non-profit uh, agencies over over time, we gather our experience by assigned duties that might be outside of what we expected to do, <laughs> and oftentimes those are some of the most wonderful experiences that we can have. And you know, um, I, you know, when you again looking at non-profits, quite often, and this is a Bamsey story, there's a need in the community. There's a relationship that exists with the Broxton Housing Authority. It might be the police. It might be the mayor. And and, and those people will reach out and say, can you help us um, because we're in dire need? And that's how those relationships start. And, you know, I think the the work that you've done over the years, the work that the, of that program uh, are just another one of those keystones in terms of the relationships that exist with our community partners in providing services for people in need. So uh, I just want to thank you for all of those years of service and and for the wonderful work that everybody has been doing and will continue to do. And I guess I would finish by saying, you know, I think the clarion call is really we need to advocate for a proper strategic plan for elders in this country. It's years and years too late, but it's never too late to start. No, oh, I, agree. I agree. And those numbers are just increasing exponentially as as the boomers start, uh, not start, but we're already in there. <laughs> yeah. 
Well, Fred Welsh, thank you so much for coming in. It's been a pleasure chatting, oh. and uh, I'm, hopefully you'll come back and speak to us later on in the year, perhaps. I would love to. Thank you. Great. Thank you, Fred. Yeah.